Back and better than ever from Life Group Break, Grace 412 Podcast. Welcome to a new semester. We are going to be diving into kind of a camp review as well as starting a new series that uh, Emily and I feel like is very fitting for this season that we're in. Um, I hope that you guys are excited about what God's going to be teaching all of us uh, throughout this semester. Uh, this is school relaunch. Fall is coming upon us. Um, we've got college students that are going back to college. We've got seniors that are moving on to the next level and sixth graders that are coming up. And all of us have goals and ambitions about what we want this all to look like. Even your teachers and your leaders have goals for you and for themselves, maybe uh, organization, organizationally, or um, a lot of you have athletic goals. A lot of you have these goals that, hey, I'm going to actually take my homework home every day this, this year. Or I'm going to actually get good grades or I'm going to actually stay on task. We, we all have these goals, but many goals seem to fail and many plans seem to fail. And one of the reasons for that is because there's no real motivation. And so when we were at camp, we talked about goals. We talked about aiming for things that matter. We talked about um, setting goals for eternity. We talked about how we as Christians should be aiming for certain things even in our relationships. And so that's where we got this idea of K4 or Kavanaugh. This word Kavanaugh is a Hebrew word that means direction or intention or purpose. And it literally means to aim and hit the mark. And so while we were at camp, we talked about uh, K4 in our relationships, in our time with one another. And so we're going to look at those four things over the next several weeks, how we are going to study scripture to know God, how we're going to recognize we were loved extravagantly in order to love extravagantly. We're going to be prayerful and we're going to recognize all of life as worship. That's what we're going to be diving into over the next four weeks. But tonight, we're going to actually just be talking specifically about this first one, love. Recognizing that we have been extravagantly loved, and thus we are going to extravagantly love. Love God and love others. We find this through all of Scripture, but one of the places it's most prominent is one that's not really addressed as a quote-unquote love chapter, and that's in Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at Romans chapter 8, and we're going to actually look at uh, specific reasons, first of all, that you can know that you're loved, and then we're going to talk about what it means for us to share that love with others. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. He says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So I want us all to understand something at the very beginning, that we were sinners, we were broken, we had fallen short of the glory of God, right? We actually talked about this on Sunday night. Colossians 2 says that we were literally, we were spiritually dead. If you go back a chapter in Romans, Romans chapter 7, Paul says, hey, I do the stuff I shouldn't do. I don't do the stuff I know I should do. And he says, who is going to free me? But then he says, uh, I thank God through Jesus Christ. In a different passage, he says, God, who is rich in mercy with his great love, has loved us while we were dead in our sins. Colossians 2, it says, he quickened us, he, he tied us together with Christ. God came and he restored us. He came and he remade us. He fixed what was broken. He, he redeemed us. That's, that's to buy us back. The first thing we can recognize is my redemption proves that I am loved. 
We actually have three points and they're alliterated for this first lesson tonight. Hopefully that makes it easy to remember. And the first way that you know that you are loved is my redemption proves that I'm loved. To redeem is to, to buy back. It's to, to restore or to renew. See, a lot of us, we talked about this last semester, a lot of us have something that, that was broken that we, we kind of liked, that it was broken and we didn't value it that much so we just threw it away. But many of us have also had something that we valued, that we cared for, that we, we wanted to keep, that we wanted to continue to have or we wanted to continue to use that was broken, that we fixed. And maybe we fixed it over and over and over and over again. And there was nothing left of it, but we just kept on repairing it. We kept on restoring it because we valued it. We cared for it. See, when we, we think about our redemption, we think about the, the lengths that Creator God went to to restore us, we can understand that we are loved. See, you don't restore things that you don't value. Your Creator loves you. He's invested in you. He's restored you. And by the way, that's not a point of pride for us to go, oh, see, I'm so valuable that Jesus loved me. I'm, I, I was worth dying for. No, we bring nothing but brokenness and sin to the table. But, but God, who is rich in mercy, has tied us together with Christ. He saw what we could be with his grace and with his mercy and with his power and with his spirit. And he said, there's, there's something here. I'm going to restore this for their good and for my glory. My redemption proves that I am loved. How did he do that? Through Jesus, he made you a part of his family. That's how he redeemed. That's how he restored. Through Jesus, he made you part of his family. Verse 9 in Romans 8, he says, but you are not in the flesh. He says, you're in the spirit. If so, it be that the spirit dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, and the spirit is life because of righteousness. He says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead will also quicken your moral bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. He says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, here we go, they are sons of God. He says, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He says, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. There's so much here, right? There's, there's so much to unpack. But just recognize at salvation, when you believe the gospel, you received God's spirit. You were eternally united to God and to one another. He took your punishment and he placed it on Jesus. And he took Jesus' reward, Jesus' inheritance as the son of God, and he gave it to you. Verse 15, you received the spirit of adoption and you became a joint heir with Christ. My reward proves that I am loved and my relationship proves that I am loved. You are now a child of God if you have believed the gospel. There is something beautiful about that picture of adoption where God says, hey, I, I want to do more than just forgive you. I want to do more than just fix you up. I want to do more than just restore you. I want to make you a part of my family. Romans 8.1 is crazy enough. There is therefore no condemnation. Like it's, it's, it's so much just to have forgiven somebody, but God says, I, I forgive you. And I actually want you to be a part of my family. 
Verse 14, he says, we can now cry, Abba, Father. We are joint heirs together with Christ. That creator God sees you as a son, sees you as a daughter. You're part of his family. Um, When Oliver was little, he woke up at one point when I had him by myself just screaming in fear. Not not like a you know a bratty get me out of my crib scream or not like a I'm hungry scream like we you know the difference as parents you 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 somehow do screaming in fear and I picked him up out of his crib and he looked at me he wasn't even a year old yet he looked at me he only knew a few words but he looked at me and he said dada and that's actually what this translation of Abba is not this this weird like you know daddy God thing that you've heard people say but it's this idea of like a helpless baby that that can't even get the words mother or father out that just says dada that's just learning the world that that has no way of helping himself that's what this word is that we look to our heavenly father and say Abba that we we look to him as helpless babies and we say you are the one who has redeemed me. You are the one who provides for me. You are the one who protects me. You are the one who gives me purpose and gives me life. Some of you have maybe had some pretty rough parents. Some of you have maybe had parents that that didn't love you well or don't love you well. Can I just tell you two things? Number one, there is nothing that will ever make them not your parents. Like when you are a child of someone, you will always be that person's child. But number two, maybe more encouraging if you've believed the gospel there is nothing that you can ever do that will ever make god not your father and he is a good father he is a loving father your relationship proves that you are loved romans chapter 8 you are joint heirs together with christ creator god looks at you as a child of his he loves you he cares for you he values you Then Paul goes on in Romans chapter 8, lots of verses. He says, hey, the world is broken. It's full of pain. He says creation is groaning in eager expectation until God will eventually make all things right and will make all things new. And then Romans 8, 28, that popular verse, he says, we know all things will work together for good to them that love God. He says, hey, we're being conformed into the image of Jesus. That's the greater good. That's the greater purpose. But then he gets to verse 31 of Romans chapter 8, and he ends it explaining, hey, you are loved. And this is, this, this, is, this is proof of it. Verse 31, he says, what should we say to these things? He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not, or he shall, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He says, who shall lay a charge, anything to the charge of God's elect? He says, it is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. He says, hey, God himself died for you. God himself made things right. Who in the world is going to put a charge against you? Who in the world is going to judge you? Who in the world is going to condemn you? If he doesn't, nobody can. Verse 35, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Should tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. He says, but in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death or life or angels or principalities or powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
He says, you are more than conquerors. A conqueror defeats his enemy more than a conqueror uses his enemy to his advantage. He says, hey, God, God is using all things for your good and for his glory. You have an, an eternal purpose. You have an eternal reward. That's why he says, hey, one day you're going to understand. One day you're going to see him face to face. One day you're going you're gonna to share with him in glory. And it's all going to point back to him and say, Jesus, you are the reason for all of it. Lastly, not just my uh, redemption proves that I'm loved, not just my relationship proves that I'm loved, but lastly, my reward proves that I am loved. There is an eternal work that God is doing, and he's doing it through us. You say, hey, God doesn't feel very close to me right now. It doesn't feel like God loves me right now. If God loved me, why would bad things happen? Why, why would he let my friends leave me? Why would he let my family member die? Why would he let that person abuse me? But just like my son Oliver had, had no rational way to understand the bigger picture of life, we, we have no way to rationalize or understand the grand scheme of eternity. And so what do we do? We trust what he said that he's using all things for my good and for his glory, that I'm becoming more like Jesus so that I can make much of Jesus. And then one day I'm going to look back and go, God, I understand now. That's what you were doing. I see it. I understand. I get it now. Recognize now in the moment you are loved. You've been redeemed. You have a relationship. You, you, you're going to receive an eternal reward. And that reward is Jesus. Like the relationship is the reward. Our redemption is the reward. The, the fact that I have been eternally united to my creator, that's the greatest gift. I've already received the reward. And so if you get nothing else out of this semester, if you have no other goal to grab onto, if you have no other uh, place of challenge, if you have no other point of encouragement besides this, hear this. You are loved. But remember, this isn't just about goals, right? What, this, is, this is about what we're aiming for. This is about what we're striving for. This is about the type of person we want to become. This is about actions that we're going to take. So goal number one would be recognize that you are loved. But then goal number two would be share that love with others. Like it's not just enough for you to receive the love of God. Uh, somebody said the gospel flows to us so that it can flow through us. See, we were meant to be rivers, not ponds. A lot of us uh, intellectually do understand that we are loved by God, but there's something that happens when we really fully grasp the, the nature of God's love, where we're not ponds. We're not, we're not just people who take in water. We're not just people who uh, hold water, right? We're not just people who hold this love for ourselves. We're not just people that hold on to the grace of God or hold on to the mercy of God or hold on to the joy and the peace and the hope of God, but we're rivers. We're, we're sharing this with others. We're flowing out wherever, wherever the, the path leads us, wherever God leads us, we're flowing and we're, we're pouring out into others as well. The gospel comes to us so that it can flow through us. You look at a perfect example of this in Luke chapter 7. At the end of Luke chapter 7, Jesus is invited to a wealthy religious person's house, right? And in verse 37, it says, a woman of the city. And then it says, a woman of the city, a sinner. 
And so you can do the math on what that means or what kind of woman that was, right? But she came to Jesus recognizing who he was, understanding who she was, recognizing what he was going to do for her. And it says she literally washed Jesus' feet with oil using her hair. She didn't have anything else. Culturally, this was a, a sign of honor, a sign of respect. She she didn't have any other way to honor or respect Jesus, but she knew he deserved something. She knew he deserved respect and honor. And it's ironic, the religious people and even some of the disciples, they get upset. They kind of question like, Jesus, why would you allow this? Why would she do this? Wouldn't that money or that oil have been better used somewhere else? But look at what Jesus says in verse 47 of Luke chapter seven. It says, Jesus says, wherefore I say unto you, her sins, which are many are forgiven for she has loved much to whom little is forgiven. The same loveth little. He says, hey, she's been forgiven so much, she understands how greatly I love her, and because of that, she's able to love much. He says to, to people who are, seem feel like they're not forgiven much or who haven't been loved much, they're going to love very little. He says, if you, you see yourself as a good church person who didn't need a whole lot of grace, if you see yourself as a good moral person who didn't need a lot of mercy, if you see yourself as a pretty good teenager who hasn't really been shown a lot of love, then you're going to share that love. But he says, when you recognize how much you have been forgiven, when you recognize how much you have been loved, man, your only natural response is to share that love. So number one, recognize that you are loved. Number two, share that love. So first of all, have you believed the gospel? Like if not, understand you are still loved. God wants you to have relationship with him. Number two, have you believed the gospel? If yes, understand you have been shown the great example of love in the person of Jesus. And so who is it that you can share that love with? Uh, this semester and this school year, we're all going to have a lot of goals. You guys, especially that are in school, are going to have a lot of goals. And so I go back to how simply put Jesus put it, how simply put John put it in first, second, and third John, how simply put other people have said it before me. And we'll end with this quote. If you, you have one goal for this year, for this semester, even for your life, it'll be this. Just love God and love others, and that'll be a good start. That's our first goal for this year. We're going to continue on in our K4 series. Next week, we'll be dropping these in the podcast, typically on Thursday, so you can catch back up and re-listen, or you can share it with your friends, share it with your parents, and then do something about it. Talk to one another about it. Pray with one another about it as we continue to grow together and as we continue to seek to love God and love others. We'll talk to you guys next week. 